David tells a prophet of his desire to build a house for God's ark. But God responds with an even better idea. A different kind of house for David. On The Bible Brief. The Bible Brief is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Support the effort today at BibleLit.org. The man after God's heart is king in Jerusalem. He's a shepherd, a warrior, and a leader of the United Tribes of Israel. He's a seed of Abraham ruling over the land of Canaan. He's the one who holds the scepter out of the tribe of Judah. He defeats his enemies by the power of Yahweh. At this point in the story, we may think that we've made it, that the seed of the woman promised from the very first pages of the Bible is here at last that David himself will put down evil in the world and usher in a world of peace and prosperity as he comes to rule not only Israel, but all the nations of the world. David has proven to be a man intimately connected to God and to his purposes in the world. He's a man of mercy and a man of strength, a slayer of giants and a caretaker of sheep, a music maker with the lyre and a conqueror with the sword. David seems to be the culmination of so many promises in the Bible so far. Everything seems to be pointing to him. And as readers, we have to ask, is he the one? Is he the long-anticipated king? David has been building. He's been building a great house, a great cedar house for a great conquering king. God has given him rest from the surrounding enemies. And war, at least for the time, has ceased in the land. For the first time in perhaps a decade, David is no longer running from someone, fighting someone, or waiting for his kingdom. He's finally able to rest in his big new cedar house in the city of Jerusalem. But in his rest, he begins to think. He brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city and placed it in a tent. But here he was in a large house. Something was not right. We read this in 2 Samuel, chapter 7. Now when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. David has an idea, an idea that he immediately needs to tell someone, And there close by is Nathan the prophet, one of the men whom God uses to speak his words to the people. David wants to build God a house like his. He wants God's ark to have a place of permanence and protection. Not like a tent, more like a temple. Nathan, for his part, loves the idea and sees the godly motivation behind it. So he says to David essentially, go for it. God is with you. Nathan then leaves David's palace, surely encouraged at his righteous king. Yet once Nathan gets home, God comes to him with a word. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling." In all the places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, 
Why have you not built me a house of cedar? God begins by saying he's never required a house to be built for him, and he's never asked for one. Despite the centuries of time with the ark in a mobile tent, he's never commanded anything like this from any of the leaders of Israel. Yahweh is speaking to the unprecedented nature of David's desire. But soon we see God's pleasure in that David tried to honor him. Next, God says this, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be leader over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. God begins to make gracious pronouncements about what he will do for David and for the people of Israel. He promises that he will make David's name great and famous, that his name will be like the great names of world history, an amazing promise of legacy like his forefather Abraham. And then God says the many things that he will do for Israel, confirmations of even older promises. He will plant them in their own place so that they won't be disturbed anymore. Violence won't touch them and they will finally have rest. Israel has a bright and peaceful future ahead a future in the land of Canaan, with the peace of God protecting their blessed lives. David is given the promise of a famous legacy. Israel is given the promise of a blessed rest. Yet in God's next pronouncement, we will see something truly monumental in the Bible. Promises from God that are so consequential that the rest of the Bible is consumed with their fulfillment. Promises that through David, something amazing is going to happen. Moreover, Yahweh declares to you that Yahweh will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your seed after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. If he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. These words couldn't carry more weight. If we could assign importance to passages in the Bible, this would certainly be among the top few passages in all the thousands of pages of the scriptures. First, God uses a play on words. He says that while David wanted to build him a literal house, God will instead build David a figurative house. Not a house of cedar. No, God is talking about a dynasty. God will build an everlasting dynasty for David with kings on the throne of Israel. God essentially says that David's descendants will rule on his throne forever. More importantly, though, is that God will raise up a particular descendant, a seed of David, who will be the everlasting king over David's forever kingdom. The dynasty, the kingdom, and the king become the great unconditional, irrevocable promise of God to David that we call the Davidic covenant. 
Amazing promises summarized with these three words, dynasty, kingdom, and king. David would eventually die. He would have descendants occupying the throne who would sin and be rebuked by God. Time would go on and on, but these promises would be sure. Not death, nor sin, nor time would void the promises. God will have his forever king. He will have his son who will come from David's dynasty to occupy David's throne forever. Imagine being Nathan receiving these words from God. You would know that even delivering these words to the king would associate you with one of the most important events in the history of the world. Promises that would form the center of the hope of the nation forever and ever. Soon the prophet Nathan goes to David and tells him all these wonderful words. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. David sits down in prayer to God with utter humility, coupled with total confidence. He sees how undeserving he is to have such a blessing from God, and in the same breath acknowledges the ease with which God can grant this request. David knows that God has all power to accomplish whatever he promises, and he expresses that these promises from God are a lesson to mankind. A lesson of God's kindness to those who honor him, and a lesson about the future of the world itself. Someday mankind will see this great king to come. David continues, And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God. Because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, and there is no God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. For you have promised this good thing to your servant. And now therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken. And with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. David's prayer of thankfulness ends in the confidence of faith. David will not live on the earth to see this blessing accomplished, but he knows that Yahweh's words are true and his blessing is sure. Only hours ago, David had expressed his desire to build God a house. He could never have imagined that God would build him a house instead. A dynasty of kings in David's line an everlasting kingdom over Israel on David's throne, and a promised king who will rule the nation forever. Join us next time as we look at the four major covenants in the Bible so far. Four covenants that we should know as we continue in the Bible story. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.